passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another award-winning week at Post Wrestling. I am John Pollock, joined by Wei Ting. I keep waiting for these awards to show up. They're in the mail. Yeah. All Along right. with our uh, our commemorative hats. <laughs> That's right. Not this one, which you can get at our new merch no, the, store. No, these are nice hats, the ones that we offer. <laughs> the other ones are good. Anyway, d- nobody Dude, they're, they're hats. Uh, I'm going to be wearing mine. Are you kidding me? I will hold my breath until I see you wear that hat. <laughs> okay, well, um, I, next time I see you in person, I'll be wearing it. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how stunned were you when you picked up your phone on Saturday and saw that I was calling you? I, I mean, I, honest, I stunned? I don't know about stunned. It's more of concern. Yes. Yeah. I immediately diffused the situation. <laughs> uh, everyone's healthy. I haven't been in a serious automobile accident or anything like that but i had to call away i needed a i had an urgent question and i thought if i text you you might be busy i was in a store i'm in the process of buying a new laptop and i had to call way for some uh uh to to ask him some questions so he was he was very thrown off by me calling him but i, 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 I might make this a semi like uh maybe like every couple of months maybe i'm just gonna call you out of the blue i mean would you like that? Like, I don't even know if you would. Like, would you want to inconvenience yourself like that? Uh, by by me calling you or you calling me? By by you calling me, taking time out of your schedule to call me. Wait, I could always make time to call you. <laughs> I feel we, we do t- uh, talk quite a bit, but it was nice uh, to talk to you over the weekend. Did you, did you get up to anything um, unique this weekend? Um. I wouldn't say unique. If if I did, I I feel like I would remember it. But it it, it was a. Uh, I mean, every every week is is a unique one. Of course, you know when you have a, a small child. So uh, we celebrated actually my mother in law's retirement. So oh, congratulations! Yeah, thirty years. So she she's definitely not listening. So you're you're sure? 
positive. Yeah. Is she looking forward to retirement? Well, I mean, I would argue she's probably busier now than ever ha- taking care of uh, uh, our child for us on during the weekdays, at least. Um, yeah, most weekdays. So not uh, not 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 the retirement that you would imagine. So this weekend I had some downtime. Mm-hmm. So I finally jumped in and I am I have 20 minutes left of the entire season of Echo. You're kidding. Wow. Oh, yeah. I You're just that deep into it. Oh, yeah. I've, I'm almost done. I watched I watched the first two episodes. I had to stop because what do you do after the first two episodes? Gotta fire up MCU later. And I had to listen to WH and Rich. That was my intermission. Wow. Went back two more episodes back to WH and Rich. It, it's amazing because like I'm catching up and like there's times like my name might get dropped in these shows. So I'm doing catch up now over the last few weeks yeah. and piecing together. I'm like, when was this? Oh, this was a week ago. That was two weeks ago. Uh-huh. And now I'm on the five episodes. What a wonderful length. Have, have you enjoyed it so far? I have. It's not my favorite um, Marvel series, but as I've said, I'm I'm a huge Daredevil fan. I love, love, love Kingpin. And I, I think it's been a really fun season. I, I've totally been invested in it. I love like the, uh, the action scene with, uh, with Dragula. Um, like the, the action's been cool for, for most of it. It's a, it's a nice origin story of, uh, of Maya. Um, you, so this is a first where you're way further than I am. Like, I feel like I'm, I think I'm only midway through episode two. So, um, you know, thank you for the spoiler Dragula. You know, I was uh, I was really sort of uh, that. That's really a big spoiler, John. You were getting ready for your Rob Zombie picks and you didn't want to know when it was coming. Well, you don't know when it's coming, but there is going to be um, some carnage over Dragula. I don't even know who Dragula is, but it's a song. Uh, but oh, oh, yes. I see. I I'm see. really spoiling nothing for you. But okay. no, I've, I, I've enjoyed it. I guess you're, you're are you kind of lukewarm on it? I'm kind of lukewarm on it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, maybe eventually I'll, I'll kind of get back to it. I'm kind of lukewarm on Marvel in general. You know, to be honest. So, um, if if you recommend it, then I will definitely make time. I, I'm not like to me, it was a good jumping back on series. I haven't watched anything since Hawkeye, and I liked Hawkeye quite a bit, but I mm-hmm. haven't been inspired to watch anything since. So this was um, the Daredevil link. Knowing that that series at some point is coming was um, mm-hmm. enough. And and trust me, the the lack of a like twelve episodes would have been it would have been daunting for me. Like if I'm done two episodes and knowing there's there's ten to go. I very much don't want to start a series that I know I'm not going to see the end of. So five was a a, a willing commitment that I was able to make over a few days. Imagine feeling that way, which I don't think is unusual to feel at all. And then asking somebody to watch a show that never, ever ends. Three hours every Monday night for infinity. Yeah. Just it never, ever ends. Hmm. It's a tough buy-in. It's one that I don't I think goes unexplored when it comes to creating new wrestling fans is the idea of what am I committing myself to? What is there's no end. There's no break. But it is the type of show you just kind of jump in whatever you do. Right. You know, you don't really go back and watch unless you're really into it. Well, what if what if um, what if the next season of The Bachelor? OK. Or Love is Blind. OK. Wait. What if it just never ended? It was every single week. And you just dip out? Would you really want to dip back in? Explain to me how that would work. Like what? This, this bachelor or bachelor just goes on endless dates forever. 
and never settles on one. Just a rotating cat. Wait, this is the concept of like soap operas. Like they, they, they'd run daily. It's always the same. It's huh. like the same three storylines just recycled. With but you're, tell, you're telling me the same bachelorette will date throughout the same group, or or, or, or is this bachelor no, rotate in and out? Oh, okay, but they never settle. I mean, they, that... they they all fight for the ring. Um. Yeah, that's a, that sounds miserable, but also a very interesting experiment. So are we talking like, you know, a 70-year sort of a bachelor chase? It could be. It's the never-ending story. Quest. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, moving on. We have a lot coming up this week, folks. We are going to be uh, coming at you with several post-wrestling cafe shows beginning Thursday with The Smashing Machine, a documentary that was pretty pretty renowned at the time in terms of being one one of a kind for a deep look into mixed martial arts. It's a pretty gripping documentary profiling Mark Kerr and almost a sub-story involving Mark Coleman and how these two intersect with one another and the potential of these two friends fighting one another at the Pride Grand Prix in 2000. But the main focus is Mark Kerr, who at this time is touted as and is performing as one of the best heavyweights in the entire sport, but behind the scenes, which is where the documentary comes in. This is a guy that is having um, uh, relationship problems, more importantly, drug problems. I mean, this guy in between fights has an overdose in just a mere amount of months. He is in a hospital after an overdose. And like, this is Mark Kerr who was, you know, fighting or he wrestled, at heavyweight, even wrestled Kurt Angle way back. And then you look at the size of him here. I mean, this is a man that has just ballooned up to become a pride heavyweight in the late 90s, early 2000s period. So it's it's quite a quite an interesting documentary that we'll be uh, discussing at length on Thursday. And the documentary that Dwayne Johnson and Benny Safdie are um, scheduled to adapt into a feature film. That's right. That's right. Maybe Cody Rhodes is going to get the starring role. Maybe that was the trade-off. Uh, Cody Rhodes is Mark Kerr. I don't, I don't know about that one. Hmm. Cody, you're not going to finish the story, but you're going to finish my movie. How about <laughs> that? Okay, uh, so that's coming up on Thursday. All of your regulars as well. We will have uh, a review. Well, Karen and Bruce will have a review of the new beginning in Osaka card coming up this weekend and a big debut waiting on the long and winding Royal Road with WH Park chatting Masawa and Kawada. Yeah, I would say maybe put an ask, asterisk on that. Uh, in the event any other um, major figures uh, in wrestling history decide to resign uh, for, you know, very, um, um, I, I guess, unsavory, you know, reasons, um, which is the reason why we delayed it the last time. So we'll see. We'll see if it, it comes out this week. Well, for, for the sake of everyone's workload, I'm hoping we hear the long and winding railroad this Saturday with <laughs> WH and Way. But we'll start off with uh, some news. I want to talk about a few passings, a very tragic story involving a, a very young uh, Japanese women's wrestler, uh, Asahi, who died over the weekend at the age of 21. Um, there's not been a confirmed cause of death. There have been uh, some rumors, but we will wait until there's a confirmation. But uh, she had, like, as I mentioned, only 21 years of age, but made her debut when she was 14 years old. Uh, wrestling Manami Toyota in her very first match. Uh, this was with Ice Ribbon, which was her home promotion up until just a few years ago. And then she ended up doing uh, an, she started doing like a kind of a, uh, a talent exchange. She was part of with Act Res Girl. 
and ended up just staying there full time beginning in 2013 and kicked off her career with the Toyota match and then went on a 137 match losing streak, which is, you know, not, not that's maybe on the more extreme side, but where someone starts off and I mean, Kenta Kobashi famously like started his career off and it was like a long, long road just to accomplish that first victory. Mm-hmm. And then her first major accolade was uh, uh, winning the uh, the Kazuna tournament in 2019, teaming with uh, Akana Fujita and beating a Suzu Suzuki and Risa Sara that year in the final. Uh, she took a year off in September of 2020 and then uh, came back the following August. And she had competed uh, several times challenging for Ice Ribbon's main championship, the Ice X Xfinity Championship. And yeah, her last match was just last uh, Wednesday. So very tragic story involving someone who, again, 21 years of age. It's a very, very sad story uh, coming out of Japan over the weekend. It's awful. Yeah, um, I've never seen Asahi wrestle. Um, but just the the, um, the incredible amount of pain, I'm sure everybody who's um, attached to, to her, whether it be family or colleagues, must be feeling right now is completely un- unimaginable. Um, anytime you hear about somebody passing at such a young age, it's 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 terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Also uh, passing away over the few the last couple of days is Richard Castor. Who, I mean, in wrestling circles, people are going to have, you know, obviously he is the father of Max Caster of the Acclaim. But this was like a really like well-known New York Jets player. He played for a number of teams in the NFL, but uh, died last Friday. He had been battling uh, Parkinson's disease for some time. And uh, he was he was born in Alabama and then went to uh, Jackson State and was drafted in 1970 by the New York Jets in the second round and would end up. Uh, playing wide receiver when uh, when Joe Namath was with the the Jets, uh, and then it was in while he was in the NFL uh, that he was turned into a tight end. So he switched positions mid career and would play until '77 with the Jets. Uh, this included three appearances in the Pro Bowl, and then was traded to uh, the Houston Oilers. Had stints with the New Orleans Saints, and then finally with the Washington Redskins, uh, which was where he won his one and only Super Bowl in 1983 when Washington beat the Dolphins. So. Um, what was involved in a number of uh, charities afterwards, including he was on this board of directors for the Head Injury Association, which was dealing with um, people that have survived traumatic brain injuries. So um, was was heavily involved in things post-career and uh, in- including Max. He had five children uh, and, and his wife, Susan, that he leaves behind. So uh, condolences to uh, the Castor family. But you can read a lot about Richard Castor online, like certainly uh much more well-known in, uh, in, in football than is uh, his son being involved in professional wrestling. But our condolences to the Castor family. Uh, let's chat a bit about, we'll get to the, uh, the Rock and Roman Reigns stuff, but we should first uh, discuss the, the Rossi Ogawa story that broke on Sunday night. Uh, Rossi Ogawa is done with stardom. And this came when uh, stardom put out uh, an announcement that, Rossi Ogawa is, uh, has been terminated from his contract and in their release, citing the poaching of talent uh, by Rossi Ogawa as the reasoning for this. Now, uh, more news has come out um, in light of this, that this was hardly something that was um, a secret within stardom. And uh, going back months, it was known that Ogawa was uh, planning to be leaving the company. He has now confirmed that he will be starting a new promotion. And it looks like this is sort of the link. And I think the 
it will depend on who you're asking about talent that is uh, being poached for this potential new promotion versus talent that were also um, unhappy in stardom and are loyal to Rossi Ogawa. And I mean, we have Taro Okada, who is the president of stardom, flat out telling Tokyo Sports that they are expecting talent to leave stardom once their contracts are up. So this is going to be um, a very pivotal period when it comes to the Joshi wrestling scene of this divide when it comes to uh, the, the leader in Joshi wrestling in stardom. It's losing its its co-founder in Rossi Ogawa and what kind of a power vacuum there is within the stardom locker room that is loyal to Ogawa or simply don't have faith in the current leadership in stardom. Um, but with stardom, you have obviously the pipeline with, with Bushi Road. It's I, I would say if you're a talent in stardom, you're looking at where is the more stable side of things. Um, you look at Bushi Road, like that comes with a stability to it, but there definitely is more to come with this and the fallout and what becomes of this new promotion that Rossi Ogawa is looking to launch. And just to maybe make things clear about this particular story, because um, when it broke last night, details were very vague, and I saw a lot of audience, or at least people in the uh, X sphere, um, suggest that there's some relation to WWE and all of this. There doesn't seem to be, or do we simply not know anything um, about that? Well, it looks like, Rossi is launching this company, and I think it's a natural question to wonder, is WWE going to have some kind of partnership? Obviously, they can't with stardom because Bushi Road has an existing relationship with with AEW and the politics of that get get very uh, get very uh, confusing. But, um, you know, in, in theory, like there would not be anything stopping WWE that is now working with all Japan that we have seen that seems like they do not have this sort of these enclosed borders that a Vince McMahon led WWE did. So, I mean, that it is to be determined if we, if we will see if there is any kind of WWE um, part right. of this equation as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, and, and certainly maybe recalls the, you know, pro wrestling, pro wrestling, Noah, all Japan exodus of potentially, a wide number of talents following one particular person to start a new promotion. I hope the end result of all of this is perhaps more interest in the Joshi wrestling scene and maybe uh, more jobs available for everybody and more competition at a higher level. You know, um, I think all eyes will be on whatever this new pro promotion uh, might be. And also on stardom to see how they might try to survive a, a mass exodus if it happens. Yeah. I mean, stardom has cooled off when you're looking at some of their attendances. I think that the, I think it's a com combination of things like you have seen some stars leaving, uh, you know, Kyrie Sane being a prominent one. But I mean, that 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 Grand Prix last year, I mean, it did a number on the roster and you have seen these attendances where they are. It's not out of the realm that they're doing like two, three hundred people. And there is a bit of a softness when stardom was kind of growing, 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 even throughout the pandemic. And they've sort of hit this this period where there is some. It, there is it's a bit of a tumultuous period uh for, for stardom i don't think you have seen the full extent of you know this this cooperation with with new japan explored they weren't even part of the tokyo dome this past year although we are going to see um mayu iwatani on the up one of the upcoming sapporo shows for new japan defending that iwgp women's championship but the 
the crossover has not been, I, I would say, exploited to the degree that maybe you were thinking it would be. And if anything, maybe there has been some of the perception that like stardom is kind of the inferior brand within the Bushi Road under that umbrella. But still the king of Joshi wrestling. And maybe even uh, the king of women's wrestling in the world, right? Um, so it, this is still, you know, a big story, I think, just in terms of women's wrestling and um, what's what's a Rossi Ogawa-led, you know, independent promotion, um, how high profile will, will it have on a global stage and who's going to be its its, its several main faces, I guess. Like, th- this has been the power broker of Joshi Wrestling going back decades to, you know, when he was involved with All Japan Women. Like, Rossi Ogawa is the one that, I mean, has been viewed as sort of the, the person that can take these talents and, and make stars out of them. And he has his detractors too. So this is going to be certainly when you have all these potential contracts coming up, um, th- this is going to be a very aggressive period when it comes to a, and and what kind of um, finance that Rossi Ogawa has behind. There's a lot of questions behind this promotion from distribution to uh, the money that they have behind him. Obviously he feels confident enough if he is, that he made his intentions that he wanted to leave. Uh, stardom before this and this was sort of you know stardom it appears kind of getting ahead of things i imagine karen peterson our joshi expert might be speaking about this this weekend on uh, our new japan pro wrestling um, um new beginning review but uh if you want to hear her thoughts right um at least from tonight she does have a youtube channel and a twitch at hey karen sensei where she does take a bit of time to talk about ter- the termination of rossi ogawa Yes, absolutely. Go uh, ch- go check that out from Karen. Did you get uh, to see Vengeance Day on Sunday? I did. I enjoyed the show. The big angle was Carmelo Hayes turning on Trick Williams after the match. He did not cost Trick the match, although um, that does happen sometimes. I mean, the the spot where he is knocked by Ilya and then turns around to chop block Trick. I mean, that, yeah. that one could have been... Um, one of those like very, very contrived spots, but I, I thought they did a, a fairly good job. I think it was, yeah. I mean, I thought it was just enough, um, like, deli- like just deliberate enough that made it kind of obvious while at the same time still having a, a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. But I don't know how they're going to play it because um, there's the question of why Carmelo decided to save, I guess, Trick from the, you know, the tag team title defense. Um, and you know, did he attack trick? We don't even know that yet. Are these things going to be confirmed? When did he decide to turn on trick Williams? Was it, uh, before the match or was it at the very end of the match? Yeah. I mean, he's going to be on Tuesday to in theory, hopefully answer all of that because it was a little odd to do it post-match as opposed to, um, you know, the idea that we were going in of, you know, trick accomplishes, you know, this singles glory and Carmelo has that reason to now go after trick. Um, But it looks like they're going to go into stand and deliver. And unless you do um, some kind of title change before then, um, this might just be a a match that is not involving the title. Sure. Yeah. And um, I mean, no matter what, I mean, it feels like Carmelo is pretty much already a SmackDown, you know, main roster level talent. Does he retain this heel character? now or or is it pretty much separate and how far behind it's trick i mean he was mm-hmm. this crowd was so ready for him to win that championship i mean that yeah. was that was the best crowd i don't think this was the best match of trick's career but it's up there um and it might be you're really looking at um you know a very and it might actually be um but man this crowd was just so red hot for trick to win this championship that mm-hmm. it, 
you know, he's he's got star written all over him. And I don't know, you know, there, there is this big exodus of late. You're losing presumably Carmelo, but definitely Stratton, definitely Breaker. And to lose these two on, on top of it, I mean, with, with Trick, um, maybe they do feel the need that Trick, he's, he's a call up down the road. Yeah, I imagine they, they want him to stick around to just lead the brand and maybe just get it that much more seasoning so the crowd really, really demands him. Um, but that's sort of like, isn't it the, the sort of um, the function of NXT, you know, to constantly have that fresh cycle, to constantly, you know, have guys maybe almost overstay their welcome so that people are really clamoring for their main roster debuts like a Braun Breaker? Yeah. So mm-hmm. this is a tough time, as you've always brought up, to bring people up. Like I look at, smackdown and tiffany stratton being brought up and what was one of the observations on friday was that naomi already like that's that's a two-hour show where the women it's very hard for them to get any time and now you're introducing tiffany stratton you're introducing Mm -hmm. naomi jade cargill it could end up on smackdown as well um but you know let's be honest like when you're talking about so many talents even doing all of that the day after wrestlemania is going to be a tough task too so why not spread it out so that by the time you actually get through wrestlemania people already know who these people are i also thought Dijak and joe gacy had a really entertaining no dq match i thought this getting joe gacy away from sort of the like spooky character and more into like this is like just an extension of like CZW Joe Gacy and Dijak. I mean, whenever they call upon him for one of these big matches on a takeover or well, premium live event, I mean, this guy always delivers in these kinds of settings. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought this was a really entertaining match uh, on top of it. So you've got all of that. And then their next TV special is the roadblock event on March 5th and then stand and deliver on WrestleMania weekend. And a little device cashing in unsuccessfully. Yeah. I mean, didn't, didn't work out too well for her. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Well, um, who do you think is going to get called up of, of, I guess, that whole, you know, women's scene? I don't know if I like Perez seems the most ready of mm-hmm. the remaining women. Um, I would have put her even ahead. Well, Tiffany Stratton was was a close second, I, I would say, in terms of who is most ready there. But I would put Perez at the top of that list. And it's just a matter of numbers of like how many you want to call up at, at this moment. I, I don't see the need to throw up anyone else now i think we're, mm. we're kind of exhausted when it comes to new names to get them over that maybe it's the it's the next cycle a few months from now that you'd be looking at your perez's the draft maybe a, a trick yeah the the draft if they end up doing that in in the spring a full review from uh, our friends at up next right now on our post wrestling feed and youtube how much did you pay attention to all of the debate among roman reigns and the rock this weekend way there was just an outrage of, of of everybody reacting to this and i think it's um i don't know i like part of me is looking at it as um can we just have one calm weekend in combat sports no no that just does not happen i think that there was some that were i don't I, i'm totally guessing here but i'm imagining among a large amount of the fan base that many people were bummed last weekend uh, with, with the Royal Rumble and coming off this awful news with Vince McMahon that mm-hmm. I bet you it was almost somewhat cathartic to just have like some awful booking drama to get up in arms over, even though when we're talking about that in that context, like this seems like the silliest thing to be getting like we're getting. Uh, I don't know. It's it's like, OK, we're we're either going to make like a ridiculous amount of money WrestleMania weekend or we're going to make a stupid, ridiculous <laughs> amount of money on WrestleMania weekend. These are the options that everyone is debating. 
um, from the perspective of the WWE, I suppose, yeah, they win no matter what. Um, but it, 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 this is concerning the longest running, I guess, main event level story in professional wrestling right now. And I think the past weekend showed you exactly how passionate people are about Cody, Cody Rhodes specifically. Um, I paid attention. Were- yeah. Sorry. Well, just watching tonight, like they had all the signs distributed. Like WWE is fully leaning in on all of this. Mm-hmm. And that first segment when Cody was out there, like you got the desired reaction. But man, this was not as though they kept this up throughout the whole night or they were like going to hijack the show. Even like for the main event, like you would think like here is Cody Rhodes in this main event. Dude, that crowd was dead for, for this main Ooh. event. It was like they got all their energy out in that first segment for the Cody stuff. And if you're watching this, like there was no protest, there was no demanding change. Can you imagine if Dwayne Johnson shows up? He's not getting any kind of never, negative reaction. Um, I I wonder. Yeah, like The Rock is The Rock, and simply seeing him, especially in an unexpected setting, I think is enough to make people just like you know uh, celebrate his existence. Uh, but tonight, I, I I wouldn't judge tonight's main event as any sort of indication of like how connected the audience is to 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 the Cody Rhodes thing. I mean, I think tonight, as we will talk about it when we review Raw, um, tonight was kind of weird in that like they introduced the show almost giving you like um, sort of teasing you that we will get Cody's decision and Cody's explanation, and we didn't, and and we just kind of carried on through the night with what I would suggest to be a pretty filler match for Cody Rhodes versus Shinsuke Nakamura that result resulted in no resolution for anything. Uh, so I think that's why you didn't get any sort of reaction because the crowd They're knew. saving everything for Thursday. Like yeah. They, they, they know that this match like means we're, ex- we're expecting the WrestleMania main events to be confirmed on Thursday. Yeah. And the result of Cody Rhodes versus uh, Shinsuke Nakamura in a bowl rope match does nothing to resolve the question that we are, we all actually want to know the answer to. So the interesting part in all of this is um, Dave Meltzer. And so in the SEC filing, we know that the agreement between WWE and Dwayne Johnson uh, was filed. Like that agreement was reached January 3rd. Dave Meltzer has reported that that was when they, they knew that they were going ahead with Reigns and The Rock. I can't independently confirm now, that. Now, who's they specifically? Well, that 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 was the now intended match for WrestleMania. Who knew? I can't tell you, but that was now they had the rock signed on for the match as of January 3rd. Right. I, I at least I think it's it's up for debate. I believe um I don't even want to misquote Dave, but um it, it, it basically, from what I re- recall, it was suggested that a very, very small group of people knew and that even created oh, it would have been a very small number. Mm-hmm. But you go with that theory is that they had the rock locked in for this match and the booking of the Royal Rumble makes this a very puzzling decision when mm-hmm. you have Cody, who was was, in fact, booked to win the Rumble as is. And then you do this angle on Friday. And I think at the heart of the matter is people that, I mean, this this Rock Reigns match didn't just fall out of the sky. Everyone saw this as a possibility. My biggest contention was how that segment was structured on Friday, that I don't think they could have done a better job of minima, minimizing Seth's title, making Co- Cody, however you feel he came off in that segment, he looks like the ultimate martyr here. He is mm-hmm. in fine standing with the company. He now, looks do you like, think? Do you think that was at all intentional? 
I think that there was certainly the design. And you think it was designed to make Cody look like a martyr and the rock, the bad guy. I don't know if they expected it to this extent, but I do feel that they, they felt like Cody was not going to be hurt in this. Mm. I wonder, I, I, I mean, I, I wonder personally too, because I don't think for a second they would just put the rock out there as he's about to take part in a dream match at WrestleMania and, to, you know, against the top heel in the company and to decide to paint him in a heel light. I think that was a, that's, that was a botch. You know, I think that was a mistake, whatever they're trying to do there. And this is Monday is them trying to course correct and trying to salvage the situation. But how could they have designed that segment without the feeling that the audience would turn on the rock that way? In uh, the aftermath, because not not that night, the, they did not turn on him on Friday. I mean, you had a, a lot of options of how you could have gotten to this this Rock Reigns match. Number one of which would have been simply having the Rock win the Rumble. If he's not, if he can't go, mm-hmm. if he can't do a match, even to do a you know three minute cameo in the Rumble, okay. Um, I, I would have been having like somebody else win the Royal Rumble uh, at Punk. that point. You could have gone with Punk, and mm-hmm. then you had the out that you know he he gets hurt, and then you have it, it's all up for new grabs. tournament. Yeah, you also could have had you know you. I just I hated the idea that they came out and they flat out in that segment established like they're calling everything out loud about Seth's title is number two and how mm-hmm. they get to this position. So I didn't have as much of an issue with it because you, then you can argue that what Seth did on Monday and what Drew did tonight was devaluing The Rock's title. I just took it as the, like a you know typical pro wrestler back and forth you know between two rival champions. But I think you're already fighting that perception. I mean, no one is arguing that Reigns is the is the number two belt in in on all like we know mm-hmm. what the deal is. So I think when you're calling it out, and I just think Cody. Tonight, I, w- I think everyone wanted to hear this promo to kind of make sense of this. And you you didn't get that promo. You didn't like, get any promo. Why okay. would Cody not be choosing Roman Reigns? And you have to mm-hmm. answer that question. And if it's not a satisfying one, um, like I feel there's enough of like it's it's the audience that is upset with the company that has not really happened in this Paul Levesque era. Mm-hmm. But it is one where um, it's, it's yeah, I, I just think overall, I think this is like, really like terrible storytelling but it's one where they're almost uh completely idiot proof at this point when you've got uh, a match of matches of this level that that you have that i don't see there being a whole ton of damage done overall i i think we need to see what thursday result in like once we finally have the wrestlemania card um i think we can determine whether or not this was bad storytelling we can definitely say friday if it was, uh, you know, everything proceeded from Friday as intended, yes, we could call it bad storytelling. But I'm very curious to see what sort of course correction and what sort of pivot the WWE employs now that they know this very strong audience reaction. And they pretty much acknowledged it. And to me, like tonight's episode of Raw was kind of inconsequential, except for the fact that they very much acknowledged the audience reaction. You even had Michael Cole at times say, I want to see Cody finish the story. I want to see him win the championship his, his dad never won. They would not be doing any of that unless they were intending on paying this off, you know, or, or at least li- showing the audience that they were listening and that they will do something to satisfy the audience. So how did they get there? What would be the way you do that? Like the it's- winner's face off night two? 
Yeah, it's that's been suggested. Um, I can't see The Rock not being involved at this point. You know, like he's a part of the press conference. He's going to have that match with Roman Reigns. I, I, I just, I can't see. I mean, they could, they could pivot to a three way. Like they can certainly babyface The Rock in terms of The Rock is the one that lays out this scenario that, mm-hmm. um, yep, they're yep. going to see the end of a story night two because, mm-hmm. um, if I beat Roman, I need to establish that I am still the great one and I sure. will you could do that and that Whatever. baby faces the rock and that gives you the that that that's one way to get there it certainly is yeah. I, I'm very curious to see what what their options are and what they will do on Thursday because come Thursday if um everything is as is right now and the only matches we're getting are Cody versus Seth and rock versus Roman I I think uh, it's still going to be a massive WrestleMania, and it's still going to have it's sixty yes. plus thousand people in each night. Like I, I, I don't think this is some like they're not so dependent on like this. Here's the other deal, okay? Of all of this, like let's just assume they've they've got one night with The Rock, okay? Mm-hmm. And had the had this been laid out, okay? Rock is going to do the match with Roman. We've already teased it, and let's say the match with Rock was going to happen in Saudi Arabia, or was going to happen at SummerSlam, or Next year's WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. How are you booking Reigns and Cody this year at WrestleMania? Are you really having Roman lose before The Rock? Yeah, I would. Because I, the title, the, the Rock is not challenging him for the championship. He's challenging him for the head of the table. And that doesn't require a championship. See, I think you're not doing that match when you've done this three and a half year undefeated streak. And he hasn't lost a singles match. And you're going to do the Rock match without the title after a loss. It's still big. It's still just as big. So is this year's WrestleMania, but you're trying to make it like, what's the optimum uh, promotion? You optimize by paying off the Cody story first and then going to the rock match. I don't think there would be a prayer that they would have Roman lose when they've got the rock match in their back pocket for a later date. Yeah. I just don't think it matters. Like, I think it's more important to have Cody win than it is for the rock to lose and face Roman or sorry. um, uh, Sorry. Roman losing to face the rock, but we're, we're probably getting a bit off course here. Well, that's going to happen on Thursday. The, uh, the main event of the week is uh, in terms of this being um, like a distraction to the Vince McMahon story. Was Mm -hmm. this, I think people are getting a little too ahead of themselves thinking like mm. that this is going to just erase the Vince McMahon story. Like yeah. you're just like, was this the lost. rock taking the bullet for TKO and, and putting himself out there, making him uh, the controversial bad guy to take some steam away from Vince. I mean, we can't say for sure that it's not, you know, but I also, the, the Vince uh, McMahon story isn't going away that this is going to be yeah. the cloud over this company. It is not the cloud over solely Vince McMahon. This is the cloud over the company. And I'm very curious on Thursday, if like you will in like number one, it is it's a very interesting setup because this is in Las Vegas. It is Super Bowl week in Vegas. Very smart on their part because mm-hmm. you're going to have a lot of sports media that are going to go probably on a, on a quiet day to go cover the rock doing a WrestleMania match announcement. So you'll have a lot of like sports media there. You're going to have a lot of like mainstream media it, potentially that is already in town. And you are in Nick Khan's hometown. Is Nick Khan going to be doing any kind of promotion, any kind of media interviews? And are questions going to be asked to people? There are media availabilities for the people that are there Mm -hmm. in Vegas, including Paul Levesque, including Dwayne Johnson. Mm -hmm. I 
I won't say I'd be stunned. I'd be very surprised if Dwayne Johnson is asked any any question. I just imagine a reporter mm-hmm. getting two two questions with Dwayne Johnson and is not going to be bringing up. The, but I could be completely wrong, so I, I shouldn't even be uh, guessing on that one. Paul Levesque and Nick Khan I'm more interested in, I would say, of, of the people available that would most likely be uh, doing any kind of uh, media, they would be the two, I, I would think, would would get those questions asked of them. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't surprise me if, if The Rock was, you know. He should be. He absolutely should. He's the biggest should. name, and he's he he's attached. I mean, you saw him in in the photos with Vince McMahon. He has a history with Vince McMahon. I think he deserves, you know, to, to for his thoughts to be asked of as much as anybody. Um, but I have a feeling everybody will be very prepared this time around. And if they weren't, um, I, that would be a big story. But I have to imagine everybody, all you know, all the principal players, Paul Levesque, Nick Khan, uh, Dwayne Johnson, are ha- maybe even every member of the roster at this point might have a prepared answer to give, you know, with uh, for, for that topic. Maybe if Paul gets a question, he will. You know what, guys? I'm going to pull up Shawn Michaels here by satellite. He's going to field this one. <laughs> yeah. Sean is going to be Hunter's official spokesperson for all things related to this case moving yeah. forward. Mm-hmm. Um, any other just things you've seen in terms of coverage uh, of the Vince story? Any like uh, we have seen some more reactions from people in the industry as well. It's mm-hmm. uh, some of it's been, I mean, kind of the reactions you've s- somewhat expected. Others, um, it, it's still been very quiet. Like for all the, uh, you know, it's, for, it's not for, like anyone is you know, jumping to speak on this, that is in the company or even kind of on the periphery of the, of the industry. It's been few, but there's been some. Right. Right. Um, I, I think for me, maybe what's more notable is, is hearing more from Ann Callis, you know, the lawyer for Janelle Grant and, and kind of hearing how, um, like getting her updates about what she's been receiving from uh, other people who might've been attached to the WWE and have, have experienced similar things. Uh, and just sort of like getting a sense of how willing she is to pursue this versus just settling, you know? Um, and of course, like, I mean, I believe like, you know, they'll, they'll give every indication that they're not willing to settle as as the, the, the case is in, in progress. But um, can we believe that, you know, we are going to get some sort of resolution and real answers about what exactly happened um, or are is this all progressing towards a settlement? Yeah, I mean, you could never guess in, in these in these cases. And and I really hope that, you know, it, it will happen if there is a settlement. I really hope that there is um, a real understanding of of what, what what a victim goes through in in these cases, that a settlement is something that, I mean, there are very few people that could go through this kind of public spotlight. Remember, mm-hmm. th- this is not somebody that has lived her life in in front of an audience or is used to this level of attention and every horrific graphic detail um of mm-hmm. the last years of her life are now on display for everybody um you're right yeah she she is completely entitled to accepting it if, if she feels it's best for her um i guess just for the health of i i or for for my own sort of sense of justice like i want to know everything this this man did and i want to know the truth behind it yeah i mean the larger questions are, of course, the federal investigation and and where that leads. The, you know, others others that are under NDAs. If if they come forward, if there are people out there that don't have NDAs, and mm-hmm. and more and more, as I've been going back and re-listening to uh, the Titan Gate series from uh, Between the Sheets, and man, like that that is an unexplored area of the company's history that 
I mean, very similar in terms of like, you know, NDAs that that existed and a really, really ugly history that, I mean, you you can certainly connect a lot of this here. Like as much as the focus was steroid distribution trial, like that all began, that investigation began at, for like, like the, the ring boy scandal and, you know, underage children being uh being sexually assaulted i mean it's a case that sort of you are so removed from all these decades later but it just takes someone to look at that as well and and tying together like this is where you're looking at like the company culture what was what was learned from this what was not learned from this um there's a lot that this could be and I i think we are very early into just where, where things are. This is the tip of the iceberg, I, I think. How much mainstream attention do you think, you know, maybe um, the, the sort of um, controversies of the past related to Vince McMahon will, will sort of uh, permeate its way through the mainstream? So there's, there's people that were involved in the early 90s scandal that were under NDAs. And I think if you had people, unfortunately, a lot of like the, the key people have, well, the, the key people that were, were accused at the time, like your, your Terry Garvin's and Mel Phillips, like they're no longer around. Tom Cole was one of the few that did speak up and, and he took his life several years ago. Um, there's others that are under NDAs. Um, if, if they would come forward, I mean, that could, that could reignite this. I mean, mm-hmm. there is a giant spotlight on the company culture at, at the moment. I think you have a lot of outlets that are, digging into just what went on in between these walls of WWE. And it could go back decades. If, if people come forward, if there is a a connection that here is a a history of, you know, horrendous behavior that was not only went on, but, but that was, you know, hear no evil, see no evil. Um, Mm -hmm. There's, there's a lot that that can be looked at there. Last thing here, and we will move on to Raw. SmackDown, featuring The Rock, did 2,469,000 viewers and a .78 in the demo. This was their largest demo number since August 25th, which was the Bray Wyatt-Terry Funk tribute. And their, uh, I believe their second largest audience since September. Uh, the big quarter hour coming from uh, Brandon Thurston at WrestleNomics was the final segment with Roman, Cody, and The Rock, averaging 2,684,000 viewers and a .81 in the demo so giant numbers for those last 15 minutes um without advertising the rock in advance but you did have cody's wrestlemania decision and uh the rock was on there for you know several uh, for for, for a decent amount of time uh, as well so there Mm -hmm. you have it and then everyone went crazy they're like you know what pull up youtube i'm disliking this video curious to see what they announce on friday coming off of the press conference yeah, I mean, for SmackDown, all they've announced is like like Logan Paul, uh, his opponent will be announced, but all of this will be the fallout of mm-hmm. Thursday. And yeah, and, and going from there as WrestleMania takes shape. Rampage did 314,000 viewers and a .10 in the demo. So Rampage was, was back down here. They were down 18% in audience, 24% in 18 to 49. Their lowest audience since December the 15th. Uh, males were way down this week. So the, um, I, I guess the, uh, the CMLL, uh, infusion wasn't uh didn't didn't spike the male audience but uh w- women did well but not men so that was the rampage story for this week but now we transfer over to the enterprise center st louis missouri with WrestleTix reporting 9700 tickets out for this show michael cole and pat mcafee noting 
the whole world is talking about WWE. They are, Pat. They are. What was the line that somebody gave? Um, who was the heel? Um, what are we talking about? Grayson Waller or, or, or Austin Theory that said everybody, like, I'm the most talked about um, wrestler of twenty. Oh, it was um, oh, gender. <laughs> gender, yeah. yeah. It, was this kind of in line with that metric or was, it, was there a bit more credibility to this one? Um, well, everyone is talking about the WWE, probably not for the, re- you know what? Not mm. everyone is talking about all things WWE because, um, Pat McAfee, I don't think has talked about the Vince story once on his show. I understand. Is that right? Someone correct me if I'm wrong, hmm. but I, I don't know if that one's come up. Seth Rollins comes out and notes, sounds like a pretty good pop to me. And he brings up SmackDown and the crowd boos. And you can see the signs out there. They're all the, we want Cody signs that, you know, some intern, um, went to the local Kinko's and just got a bunch of photocopies. I mean, re- really fine going out here for, what would you say? That's like Verdana. Um, size, uh, I, I, two font. Yeah. May, maybe it's a sans serif. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the intent was to make it look homemade, wasn't it? You know, they've done this in the past with the Cesaro section, I believe like with, with the yes movement, I, I suppose as well. So, you know what they really should have done for the true tie-in What's that times new Roman. Very good. Times New Cody. Um, I don't know. Part of this is also like it is sort of that um, it's like the company is like now. Is it uncool because the, the your absolutely. parents are into it now? I didn't think this was cool over the weekend. <laughs> like I honestly, I, I might be in the minority here, but when I was seeing, I know the we want Cody is the hashtag they're they're pushing and stuff, yeah. but fans were really pushing the justice for Cody. And I'm sorry, but it's like justice for anyone right now and it, we're talking about a storyline i just think it's in poor taste uh, right. I, I think quite honestly so anyway um and then we got chance of rocky sucks cole asking if it's 1996 all over again and then they move to we want cody and this sounds like okay we're gonna have a pretty like loud vociferous crowd throughout the night that is protesting this pending main event but it was really contained to these opening 15 minutes because cody is called out and he comes out, big reaction for him, and Seth is stating, I need this match with you as much as you do because I need to prove that I'm the best and I need to beat you, Cody, because you're the best. And so he wants to uh, erase those three losses to him from two years ago. But before Cody can answer, Drew McIntyre interrupts and he says, what happened, guys? I took out CM Punk and then you were supposed to face Rollins, and but then Rollins, you got into his head. And points out the fact that uh, Rollins uh, points out that he is 2-0 and against Drew. And then Drew brings up, well, you've lost to Cody three times. So anyway, this is Drew trying to get involved here. And it ends with a Glasgow kiss to, to Seth, who goes down. And then Cody fights off Drew McIntyre. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt to me like a segment that, you know, for one thing was to um, distract everybody from actually getting an answer from Cody until Thursday about what his selection was going to be. But what I, again, what I got from it was the fact that it it told us that the WWE was deliberately acknowledging the, the fan support for Cody Rhodes. It's, it's maybe not like, you know, certain times in the past where they're just going to kind of like plow through it and, and just pretend it doesn't happen. They've learned. Um, and I think, you know, especially a Paul Levesque is smart enough to know that you can't just ignore something like this. Instead, they're using it to their advantage. They're and Cody, walked out here and looked very 
looked like a, a different level of star tonight. And he didn't even, well, all he did was give up his WrestleMania spot. So the martyrdom is, has completely worked and they're amplifying it tenfold here or doing their best to. Um, so whether or not it's in, uh, intentional or not, I, I still think it was unintentional, but they are rolling with it. Um, but seeing them acknowledge it this hard, to, like it has to indicate to me that they are going, they are planning on giving a satisfying result to the audience. And I don't know if this audience will be satisfied with anything, but Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. Well, I think the difference with this era of the company is that, you know, 10 years ago when we were talking about Brian Danielson, I think your audience genuinely believed that they did not see this guy as a star. Whereas Mm -hmm. in this, WWE did, you mean WWE did not. I mean, Mm -hmm. it took a lot of convincing. And even when they put the title on him, I think there was like, they, they already knew like the end date before Danielson got hurt. Now, this case, this audience is savvy enough. They all know that they see Cody as a star. And I think all of them know this guy is winning the title. It's just a matter of the date and the time that he will be winning. Well, and which title? Well, I think ultimately he is going to like the entire like if there is one like uh, like log line to the entire WWE right now, it is this finish the story deal like he is winning this title. Whether it is this year's WrestleMania, next year's WrestleMania, it's happening at some point. And I think the audience knows that. It's just they want it this year. I don't think it's a case of, oh, they just don't see what mm-hmm. the audience sees in Cody. I mean, they, they, this guy I, completely booked as a top babyface. I believe that there is, you know, con- concern that they will use Seth's title as a substitute for Cody finishing his story. And like, you know, like any title win at, at a WrestleMania will be enough to satisfy. Even though Cody did specifically state, I want that championship. Cody but, called out all of this last week in the promo. Yes, but but um, you can never bank on the future. You know, a year from now, you have no idea if Cody Rhodes will still be just as hot. You have no idea who else will be hotter than Cody. Um, and, and I think audiences... I think last year beating him and seeing where he is this year, I think it, you would double down in that confidence if you're the company that, listen, we... Even even if the company was super confident last year, you have to imagine there was some doubt of, okay, if we beat Cody at Mania, what if we miss the peak? What if yeah. what if we what if the, t- the timing was perfect last year and they mm-hmm. they they gambled on it and it paid off. He stayed hot all year. He's hotter this year than he was last year. And mm-hmm. maybe they just look at it that, hey, we we gambled, we won and we feel this guy's bulletproof. I'm sure this last year has only enforced even if you were a you had to at least be skeptical last year even if you were right there on this creative so then we go back and ask was last year an actual gamble or was it the the whims of of one person deciding to finish one night and and not thinking that the cody story needed finishing in in sort of a exchange for roman reigns your your cash cow ending his title reign yeah i mean regardless of the the end call I mean, you can ask, what was it the wrong call? Uh, it depends, I guess, what, on the result this year, whether or not we're getting something. But all I'm saying is you never know what can happen. You don't know who can get injured, John. You know, let's say like, OK, they wait for this thing for two, for three years. And then the week before Cody, I don't know, plants his foot wrong or something. Dude, dude Dwayne Johnson training for this match yeah. would be concerned. It's, it's mm-hmm. my main reason that I just, I mean... The absolute scenario of the 
the two match um weekend mm-hmm. like there's no way Dwayne Johnson is the one doing those two matches oh and god I, no and well, the rock is Cody versus Roman oh sorry the, the match is Cody versus Roman yeah that's it so I mean they they, they certainly have their their options here but yeah an, an injury like they have been snake bit this month uh when it comes to injuries and like dude Dwayne has gotten hurt. like that was the big thing with the with the Cena match like he got hurt really bad in that 2013 match he got hurt both years and yeah. if I'm the rock, not a real I, match since then, if I'm the rock, I'm not doing anything but DDP yoga from now until WrestleMania, making sure I, I'm not putting any impact on my joints. If I'm going to get hurt, let it be um, the night of, and hopefully not too bad. Go to the fatal four-way match DIY, the creeds, new day and Imperium that goes 17 and a half minutes. This will set up who is taking on Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn on Friday. We saw, um, uh, Woods here climb to the top and Ciampa stops him and hits an air raid crash to Woods off the buckle to all men on the floor. So all eight are down. Uh, they went through two commercial breaks here. Brutus hit a moonsault onto Vinci. Kingston hits the Famouser onto Johnny Gargano. I guess that's uh, with Billy Gunn and Dolph Ziggler gone. I guess Kofi has just uh, taken away this. Uh, he, he signed up this hole to his repertoire. Brutus then pounces Ciampa, applies an ankle lock as Julius is playing defense, suplexing anyone that tries to break up the submission, including a double suplex. Brutus ball to the floor and then one in the ring, but Vinci is legal. uh, Sorry, Ciampa is legal, and they end up disposing of them and hit the meat in the middle on Vinci for the win at 17-33. So you're going to get DIY against Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate on Friday, which if that one has time, which hopefully it does, uh, that's going to be a killer match. Oh, very much so. I mean, it it almost feels like they're you know we're getting an uh, NXT All Stars match on on Friday here. Um, so I think you had a taste of the style, you know, from tonight's match. It was very fast paced, just a lot of action to keep the audience entertained and engaged. And I thought they also crafted a lot of uh, memorable moments for the Creeds as well. So continuing to make them feel like they're um like a, on a, a main roster. <laughs> that and also um making sure that you're actually remembering them, you know, um. So I'm really looking forward to DIY versus, um, uh, well, whatever they're calling them, British Strong Style. or Cole, I guess Cole just... caught himself calling him Butch and had to quickly correct himself. Yeah. Baszler's putting on her gi and black belt, mentioning the last time she was in an Elimination Chamber match, she eliminated everyone and won the match. And Becky has never been in an Elimination Chamber match. So this is our qualifier. And Becky's stating she needs to beat Shayna because her future is on the line. So this was... Um, the focus was on Becky's arm that Baszler targeted. And this was Baszler getting to wrestle like a Shayna Baszler type of match. Very uh, submission focused and working a body part. And Becky having to overcome the the injured limb here to try and uh, hit her with the manhandle slam, which was thwarted many times throughout the match. Uh, we watched Liv Morgan watching from the back where they announced she will take on Zoe Stark next week in another qualifier. So Becky's left arm is damaged from the attacks by Shayna Baszler. And then there's a counter to the manhandle slam and Shane applies the ankle lock, then snaps the arm on the top rope. And then she wraps Becky's arm around the rope like you're giving yourself a Kimura where she hooks the finger onto Becky's outfit and Becky just removed her hand. It's like, uh, I'm not going to keep this here. <laughs> so it's a, yeah, um... an attempt at something. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, she has very elaborate outfits. You don't know, you know, how how somebody's hand might get caught um, in. It was an attempt. Becky then fights back. They trade slaps. Kirifuda attempt gets uh, reversed when she climbs on top, goes for the arm bar, counters a gut wrench, and the sequence leads to the manhandle slam after multiple teases and wins in 12 minutes and 40 seconds. And it's the idea that Becky is entering an elimination chamber 
surprisingly, for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. I guess she usually wins the Rumble on her way to, to WrestleMania. So. Or she's the champion that doesn't need yeah. to defend. Yeah, so I thought the arm work was, was good from Shayna, but I'm surprised she didn't go for her patented biting on Becky Lynch, which was, um, I guess, how she debuted um, back, back in the day, taking a bite out of Becky. Um, Dragula. Exactly. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shayna Baszler is the uh, the Maya of this, uh, this yeah. roster. I, it, this was a pretty substantial match, you know, a singles match for TV, especially for the women's division. They were given two segments here filled with a lot of activity. Uh, there were a lot of near falls in this match, but I, I, maybe, you know, maybe to your point about the crowd. Uh, dude, tonight, this crowd fell off a cliff, okay? They, I wouldn't say they ever got that high of a level. They did for the tag team match, but not even for this Becky match. Uh, oh, the four-way. Yeah, mm. it was It was primarily from this point on. And then that, that third hour, I mean... Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, St. Louis. Like it was like a corpse. Kathy Kelly interviews Liv Morgan, who says, "I've been out for nearly an entire year. I lost nearly a whole year of my career. So next week is about her revenge, and her revenge is about Rhea Ripley." I was like, "There is no way, dude." R- Liv Morgan has been out since July. Mm. Um, well, it's nowhere close to a year. She's That's rounding nowhere close to a year. <laughs> is it even? It's half it's a year, half of a year. She's rounding up. Okay, yeah. Nakamura is uh, they showed the angle from the house show over the weekend where he sprayed red, red mist into Cody's face, and that set up the bull rope match that will be the main event tonight. Pierce meets with Drew McIntyre and is complaining about Drew attacking people who are not medically cleared, so he's gonna find Drew. We also mentioned, um, Drew had the uh. The, uh, the gravesite meme as a t-shirt as well. Mm, yes. They, 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 these will sell if they if they put these on sale. I think anything they feature on TV will sell. Um, Does like, Punk get a royalty off this shirt? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Shirts that are making fun of the other person, do they he get a cut? He should. Uh, would you buy this shirt, John? No, no. I would never buy anything. What if it was your face and it was uh, hosted at ch- uh, chop-tees.com? You know what? I would buy this, um, but it would be me piecing uh rogers goodbye Ooh, now i live in a bell household okay okay wow congratulations is it working out for you it's uh, so far so good you tell me um ripley comes out she's pissed she wants nia Jax. wants to rip her bloody head off pierce says we, we've got a format here you're screwing up the show so she says or he he explains i'm gonna give nia Jax a title shot at elimination chamber like Nia really like wasted her time in the rumble when it was so easy to do it this way. It, it's kind of true. I mean, if you, we, we know this, if you upset the champion enough, you will get your shot. Yeah. Jax comes out, just blows past Pierce attacks Rhea. They get into a pull apart with security. And then Nia just avalanches the security and Rhea hitting her with the annihilator. And this did get heat. Like the crowd did respond to this. So. They booed Naya, and that's, I mean, realistically, this should probably go on last at the Chamber show. I'm not so sure. Like, yes, it's Rhea Ripley, but it's a foregone conclusion um, uh, who's going to win the match, and I don't think the quality of the match will be good enough. Um, So I'm expecting the women's Chamber to close the show, and then maybe a stare down with Rhea. That's a a good way that that you could do it, or or vice versa. Like, Rhea wins, and then Becky comes out at the end, because Becky will be booed in that moment. It's true. I guess I just don't know if I trust uh, Nia Jack's match in, in the main event of a This is the biggest match show. in Nia Jax's career. I mean, mm-hmm. they're gonna and and I don't think they can get away just doing like, you know, 
eight minutes or something like you have to do a big match here for Rhea in Australia. It could be, you know, physically impressive. Like, you know, a lot of power spots from Rhea, like mm-hmm. do rock rock or sorry, Hogan Andre. They recap Bailey choosing EO Sky, and then we had reactions of uh, Reigns and Rock, which Cole says sparked controversy over the weekend as they plugged the press event, which will feature Rock, Reigns, Paul Levesque, Cody Rhodes, Rhea Ripley, Rollins, Belair, and will be hosted by Michael Cole and Pat McAfee. All right, buckle up, folks. Ooh. Akira Tozawa and Maxine Dupree against Ivar and Valhalla. Tozawa comes in. He rips off his shirt. This was the high point of the match. And then hits a suicide dive to Ivar, and Maxine is in. And Maxine goes for a leapfrog out of the corner into a sunset flip onto Valhalla. Like what Booker T used to do. Yes. Um, this was what she was attempting to do. It mm-hmm. was um, off. I'm being nice. Um, you're being nice. Yeah. This was brutal. Then... She follows up with this handspring back elbow. Both of these just look horrendous. Oh, the worst is like because she, you know, she's she's taught to do the move and then do her thank you. It's the most awkward thing because she's just she she's she's saying she's celebrating like moves that looked awful. You know, yeah, this happened in the Rumble too. Yeah, like this is just one after the other. Um, Ivar's in with. Uh, with a Tozawa and lands a spin kick and then Maxine distracts Ivar from landing the doom salt. So Valhalla gets rid of Dupree and Ivar grabs Tozawa and hits a world's strongest slam off the turnbuckle for the win. Uh, this was miraculously only two minutes and four seconds, but uh, just a brutal match. The good news. Okay. Cause I always bring up this point when we talk about Maxine Dupree, she worked both house shows over the weekend. The bad news. Okay. These were literally her first house show matches ever. Mm, right. Um, she is I, just like flat out not ready for television, and that's oh, yeah. not me being a dick here. This is me stating someone that is going to just get like this will get in her head too when you're going on national television and she's just so not ready for this mm. level. She should be doing all of the live events, and when you get to a certain level, then we can be doing it on national television. But this can be like, like this is serving no purpose, like a two minute match here. And it's just not viable. She shouldn't just be doing the live events. She should be working indie. She should be working every NXT date. She should be um, wrestling every backyard wrestling fed. She needs to just get experience under her belt. And she needs a lot of it. Maybe Paul Levesque is going to call up Rossi Ogawa. State. Hey. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they found their brand new star. Uh, I, I said this uh, on a Rumble review. She, This is one too many like chances. I think that she's failed. Um, she started off with the spark, but um, I, I think she's just really ha- has not looked good in a long, long time. And I think she's becoming the definition of running before you can walk. Like because she got over doing that Japanese ocean cyclone cone suplex, they feel they have the need to just give her spectacular, fancy moves every single time. And she's failed more than she's been successful. Um, and and it's just I think it's embarrassing for the show to be quite honest. Like this should not be the level of talent that I think you're you're featuring on Raw. Judgment Day is reflecting on the two teams that they could be facing for their tag title shot. And Dominic notes how Rhea isn't in a good mood. JD's got Miz tonight. And then R-Truth pops in, one of the most over people on the show. And JD threatens him, but he's busy. He's got a match. So Truth just assumes last week's beatdown was an initiation. Finn gives up and just walks off. He can't deal with him. Priest tells him, 
just make yourself at home. And he walks off, giving up as well. And in truth, sees a box of shirts, and they're the Judgment Day shirts with his name on them. So he takes this to be his indoctrination into Judgment Day. Now, why? what are these shirts actually doing here? They realize they can make money off of these. So Judgment Day are going to exploit our truth for his merchandise revenue. Mm, okay. And he signed over his la- his name, image, and likeness. Is that how that works? Yeah, yeah, they got him. They got him on the, the Judgment Day NIL deal. Mm. Jackie Redman interviews The Miz. Doesn't know if Truth is a genius or he's crazy, but that's why we love him. And declares war. So our war mm. was J.D. McDonough and The Miz. J.D. is now known as the necessary evil. Which right. in New Japan, there is no necessary evil. Mm. Huh. We got Miz here delivering some knees from the Thai clinch. Mm-hmm. Who he is and uh, clotheslines him to the floor, sends him into the timekeeper's area. And then it's JD with a Uranagi standing moonsault combo. When Truth's music plays and everyone goes nuts, he comes out and he's throwing out shirts. And this distracts JD. So he goes for the moonsault. Miz gets his feet up. And then Miz calls for his big balls, but the skull crushing finale is blocked. Miz then nails Dominic f- through the rope. And as Truth comes from uh, the barricade, he puts a shirt over top of Dominic with his arms trapped. Have you ever gotten trapped in a t-shirt way? Um, uh, no, uh, not since I was an infant, I think. Okay, well, Dominic was an infant here. And uh, Miz then boots Dom, whose uh, arms are disabled. And from there, uh, JD headbutts uh, Miz and hits a top rope moonsault for a two count and truth gets on the apron with money and it's JD's merch money and JD of course he's underpaid so he's just oh my god it's money and he gets caught from behind with a skull crushing finale the money flies everywhere and Miz wins in 948 and they explain that JD has been begging for a cut of the merch for weeks mm-hmm. this guy's like a shoot bullet club member from New Japan and finally, he received his payment here. But then Truth took all the money back, and Miz and Truth leave together. So this was a, they made it seem like this was a, a plan by Truth. I mean, Truth is still playing very much like, Miz, what are you doing? You know, I, I mean, or, or maybe him collecting all the money was just him specifically targeting JD. So to distract him, we don't know. To be quite honest with you, um, I, I, I'm, I, I haven't been as into this R Truth stuff over the past couple of weeks. Um, I'm getting to the point where I'm kind of ready to see this thing evolve, and that evolution might be one of you know the Judgment Day members finally embracing and, and taking on R Truth or joining R Truth. Um, it kind of feels to me like it's spinning its wheels a little bit from the heights of Live Laugh Love. That was the peak of, of this mm. of this run. They showed an update on CM Punk going uh, under under uh, surgery last week with a cameo here from uh, Dr. Jeffrey Dugas, very big in the uh, the orthopedic world. Mm. And Punk explains this is more mental than it is. He can handle the physical pain. It's the mental side of things. That is the tough part. But promises the greatest comeback of all time. And Michael Cole says he's going to be out for a couple of months. I'm curious to see if they keep these up. I mean, I I love, you know, these sort of behind the scenes things and especially, you know, for a baby face that especially your one of your biggest baby faces, um this is getting these sort of content updates is is great. Will they follow him as he goes through the months of physical therapy? Listen, CM Punk looks to be in like injury aside, he seems to be in pretty good spirits here in WWE. I would not want to be 
the camera operator that is tasked. Um, we want you to follow Punk around throughout his rehab uh, daily. Um, just show up at his house, film everything, and uh, you're on fill duty. I think it's perfect time to start a podcast if you're Phil Brooks. It went so well since his yeah. last one. Mm-hmm. Vinci and Kaiser are in the ring, surrounded by pillars for Gunther's ceremony, and out comes Gunther to a pyro display. Um, this is my segment where I, I am just going to just marvel at this man. This guy might, this guy has now replaced Nakamura in terms of my my most enjoyable part of, of Raw each week. It's he's Gunther become a, a great promo. Yeah, I don't even really need the really matches good. from him. You can you can have him wrestle once a month. That's fine. Just give me Gunther promos. He explains <laughs> to the surprise of no one. I stand here to celebrate the jubilee of 600 days as champion. A very underutilized word in today's lexicon. Jubilee. Says he doesn't need any more of these because now it's a given that I'll reach 700 days, 800 days, 1,000 days, and there is no one worthy of challenging me. So Jay Uso is going to put that to the test. He comes out and He's doing the big arms in the air that Pat McAfee has now adopted to replace his Nakamura involvement. And Gunther just looks at him. Simple gestures for very simple audiences. (laughs) Great. I love it. Gunther points out how he eliminated Jay in the Royal Rumble and the fact that Jay is in the ring. I am sensing some disrespect here. And Jay responds. And this man has fully mastered the, uh, the what pandemic. Because he mm. has now been able to create pauses where he gets a positive response with the yeet after each. He is, he is, this was always his promo style, but now he's got a reason for fans to yell in between these beats. Yeah. Before it was with him and his brother, right? Yeah. Where they would kind of like um, fill each other's this, gaps. The other would fill. Yeah. Yeah. And clearly, I mean, it's a unique thing for him. And clearly, it's he's comfortable, arguably more comfortable delivering this type of promo than a straight promo. Gunther praises Jay and his tag team history. But at the end of it all says, you only needed to put in 50% of the work. Meanwhile, I had to do all of this work alone. And Jay goes over all of his accolades and says he wants a shot at the Intercontinental title. And Gunther explains, I will beat you worse then your family ever will. You will wish that you were back to the good old days when no one could tell you and your brother apart. And then in the high, this is already a phenomenal promo. Mm-hmm. Gunther ends it by yelling, Oos. Oh, I thought he was going to say yeet. <laughs> oh, that would have been, you saved that one. And uh, Jay goes for the takedown Imperium, break it, break it up. And a new day rundown as well. And we're going to get a six man tag. Dude, Gunther was just amazing oh, in, in so this great. segment. Just just yeah. tremendous. And it's something, again, we, like, we've said it so many times, but it's something we never, ever, ever would have expected. Um, not just the fact that he would become such a good promo, but within the WWE, he would seem to fit so well, and he would be able to not just sound comfortable, but like find a unique voice. He's able to, at, at the same time, I think, be serious and intimidating, but occasionally funny, too, with his lines. So whatever, who's that, whoever's helping him, you know, come up with the material uh, in his own delivery, we've just, I've just been so impressed. In contrast, I think it's very interesting to study Jay's promo style, too, because um, I would suggest it's probably one of the bigger things that's maybe keeping him from reaching that top, top level. Um, I've yet to really hear. I mean, I, I, I definitely have heard like very sort of like um, substantive, you know, like it, full of depth types of promos from Jay, but they feel pretty rare. Um, 
in, in, instead, though, he seems to be relying a lot more on crowd participation and crowd energy to kind of get him through these segments. And it's very effective. And, and I would say it's, it's actually very unique. But I would like to hear him ultimately maybe kind of flesh out that part of his game and be able to deliver some like interesting story beat moments about why he wants to win this championship you know his first singles championship you know uh why it should be at wrestlemania or whenever when do you think this match happens so the last we heard from from gunther is that he is like it's not like he's still like landlocked with his uh immigration status and i don't think he can leave the country uh at least for a, uh, several more months so mm. i don't think unless something has changed on his end he has spoken about this publicly i don't mm. think elimination chamber is probably uh viable because of that reason so i mean this would seem to be something for raw then in its absence could it not be mania um and sorry, Chad Gable, I don't think he's going to be no, anywhere near Chad, this title picture. <laughs> Chad sat his daughter down and just explained some dreams just don't come true. Yeah. Um, I, I don't discount that. I'll, I give WrestleMania some credence in the sense that I do not dismiss that Jay could be the one to win this title. Totally. I think he'd be a perfect candidate. You can't go any further with, with Gunther. Mm-hmm. Now is the time he should be losing this championship. Yeah. And Jay is as viable as anyone else they've built up for him yeah uh i think it means more for jay to win his first championship singles championship at wrestlemania especially against a champion like gunther than it would let's say for somebody like a Sami Zayn, who might be the other candidate you know sammy at this point has already been ic champion it kind of doesn't beating gunther would do something for anybody but i don't think it would do as much for sammy as it would for jay Jay, and we'll talk about sammy a bit later too um i also think that it's possible since we don't really have a need for a men's chamber, uh, especially with the title, like with the title picture the way it is, maybe you do a, a chamber for the IC title. Yeah, I mean, it, again, with, with Gunther's status, if he can go to Australia, yeah, that that. No, 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 fun. just the challenge. To oh, challenge, to Gunther. challenge Gunther. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, that's that's something you. Can and maybe do. that's where Chad Gable gets his spot. Well, he probably would be one of the six. Like you do mm-hmm. have contenders uh, built up there. But does this suggest to you um, anything about Jimmy versus Jay? I mean, I've I've always thought that would be where they would go for Mania, but I was very underwhelmed with what they did at the Rumble. Mm-hmm. I'm way more interested in Jay versus Gunther. Great segment, though, uh, involving uh, Gunther and Jay here. Nakamura did his video basically stating that Cody chose the bull rope match, thinking it would be an advantage, but he's just going to embarrass Cody in the match that his family made famous and said... I see all these people saying we want Cody, but no, 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 I want Cody. We could all want Cody, can't we? You'll get Cody. We're going to get 17 minutes of him. Kabuki Warriors against Katana Chance and Caden Carter for the women's tag titles. This reaction, it was so like bad, this reaction. It almost felt like they had like cut out the audio of the mm-hmm. audience. Like, this felt like a Thunderdome. like a fan was on, like a, like, like a uh, ceiling fan was on or something mm. like dude the heat was non-existent in this match i thought it totally just took every bit of life out of this one no it at times reminded me of the thunderdome era was... yes great example that's what this sounded like if you close your eyes listening to this like it was like this audience was just like they were drones mm-hmm. um oscar's ribs are taped selling the pipe attack by bailey and Asuka throws a kick and Chance does like a matrix here, avoiding it. Uh, Carter then presses Chance in the air on the floor, landing on both. Uh, we come back and Sane leaps off the top 
and crashes. But Carter has not gotten out of the way. So this just looked like she spilled right on top of Carter and looked like a mess. They double team chance with a forearm kick combo. And then they hit the after party on Asuka. Kyrie makes the save at the last second. They set up for the keg stand, but Sane trips Carter. So chance crashes. Carter sent into the steps and then Asuka holds her for the insane elbow. 950, the champions retain, but just a, a dead match from this crowd. And I was, I thought that at least the, the work here would be very strong, but I, I wouldn't say that this match really reached my uh, expectation level at all. It just seemed to be a match that dragged and I didn't expect it from these four. I was disappointed in it. I'm, I thought their last match was like, maybe like to be honest like I'm, I, when i think about chance and carter i i feel like their um latest match with piper and and chelsea might be their best match or at least like the one that received the best reaction um this was definitely hurt by the lack of crowd reaction but i didn't think the work was all that strong either you know um i i continue to be disappointed by Kyrie Sane on this run i i just i don't think she's looked as good as she has in the past uh chance and carter I think they're a good team on the rise. I really like their tag team maneuvers, but there's still a level of greenness there. And more importantly, there's not enough interest being built into their personalities beyond we like the party. party. No, like we, we need to know why they want to win these championships, what it means for them to win these championships. The they entire take division. The belts to the rave. We've seen them. They bring the belts with them. What, 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 how much better of an experience could you have at a rave, I guess, with the championship belts versus not having the championship See, You've belts. never gone to a rave as a champion, have you? No, I have not. You're right. Probably Sami Zayn hasn't either. He had a sit-down interview with Jackie Redman, and this is earlier in the day in the empty arena. And he's, he reflects he's had a really good year. And he's looking back at this time last year when he was going into Elimination Chamber but came up short. And he had a conversation with Paul Levesque right after that event where he said, you have nothing to feel down about. You're Rocky. You're the ultimate underdog. And Rocky didn't win the first match with Apollo Creed, which I thought was a nice Carl Weathers tie-in here on hmm. analogy. And But you went the distance with him in the first movie. And Zane explains that, for me, it's life and death when I'm in the ring. I don't consider myself an underdog anymore. I'm a contender. I will be champion. And he's asked, do you still have something to prove? And he said he does have something to prove to himself, but more importantly, to the fans, to give them a reason for believing in me. Um, this sounded like 10 times more um, dramatic and effective than I it, like. This was the promo I think people wanted from Cody tonight more than Sami Zayn. I don't know what they're building Sami for, but this was like the promo I think everyone wanted from Cody tonight. It was a very good promo. You might get that from Cody, you know, certainly on the build up towards WrestleMania, whatever match he has. But um, I didn't think we'd get it from Sammy because I didn't think that they had any significant plans for Sammy at this point. You know, it feels like he hasn't really been in focus for a while. Even the Drew McIntyre match feels like it was kind of extinguished kind of quickly. They might still be pursuing it, but Sammy hasn't really felt like a focus part of the show in a long time i would say because they're just so much more star power on raw unfortunately right now so this sort of promo gave me a lot of hope that they actually have something interesting planned for sammy and beyond just interesting maybe even a title chase as he's kind of letting on you know that this is sammy setting up his own story and um I, when can we stop saying finish the story i suppose I, John? yesterday 
<laughs> but it works okay like it, it it does work for for professional wrestling i thought sammy as always anytime you give a microphone and any tv time to him he just kind of d- delivers like he he gets into the space where he just he can't help but sound completely authentic and, and genuine and you know whatever he says right now he truly believes um down to talking to the booker and the booker telling him hey i'm writing you as a rocky character and you're going to you know win eventually it works in a kayfabe context too what what, everything he said um but this is when i say the uh, what is it uh caden carter and katana chance need a bit more than just we want to win the championship so that we can go to our next rave (laughs) i need this level of Sami Zayn promo from everybody every professional wrestler should be working and preparing on these reasons for why they want to win a championship right sammy holds up the belt at the next uh propagandi show (laughs) fine let that be it like his his dream is to hold the championship at a propagandi show um so that's a story and uh and clubber lang on night one of wrestlemania it looks to be the direction ah hall of famer clubber lang the next week on raw in lexington kentucky imperium take on jay uso in the new day our truth against jd mcdonough and Liv morgan against zoe stark in another qualifying match um they will have more to announce i'm sure for raw next week hmm. cody rhodes and shinsuke nakamura bull rope match which they note they are using the same bull rope that dusty rhodes and superstar billy graham used in the indian bull rope match from august of 1978 which who in the hell was holding on to this thing I find that to be an, an amazing stat. I mean, I'm WWE keeps everything. Are you kidding me? I'm sure. How, how like worn out would this rope be, though, man? Like, so again, maybe it's probably not uh, even WWE. It's probably within Cody's own actual possession, as they kind of let on, right? You know, it was passed to Dustin. And then did, like, did he not has. use? I don't know if it was the same one, but I seem to recall maybe that they did that bull rope match at the SuperCard mm-hmm. of Honor with with Jay Lethal as well. Maybe maybe we saw this bull rope in person, but with Cody. With, yeah, with Cody when he was with Ron. Oh, oh, interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder. I wonder. I feel like like this stat might have been mentioned in AEW as well. So, I mean, this this rope has, you know, seen a lot of um, sweat and blood, and uh, I hope it's it's been sanitized. Um, I'm sure it hasn't. <laughs> Cody is uh, yanking Nakamura into the post with the bull rope. He's pulled off balance as he tries a Cody a Cody cutter. And then his knee is yanked into the apron by Nakamura. So Rhodes then works a figure four, but Nakamura breaks it with the cowbell. We go through two commercial breaks. This crowd is just on autopilot. Cody cuts off a Kinshasa, lands a Cody cutter. That wakes this crowd up, and he hits a pedigree for a two count. And then we see Nakamura hit the red mist into Cody's face. Now, the fr- this angle began with Nakamura misting this guy in the face, and we thought he was maybe blinded. The poisonous mist. And this time, Cody just, like, absorbs it and hits him with a crossroads. <laughs> this was like, yeah, this was like, you know, getting, uh, like, some uh, lemonade thrown I mean, in. it's like COVID. You you built some immunity. Okay. The antibodies yeah. uh, countered mm-hmm. the poison. And uh, Nakamura kicks out of the crossroads. So then Nakamura attacks with the cowbell. Cody blocks the Kinshasa. Low blow with the bull rope and hits the crossroads. 16 minutes and 53 seconds. Way, I'm ready for this feud to end i'm pretty sure like it already ended and this was just i don't know we needed something for cody uh but this even this too did not catch this audience you know it was fine but the energy was very much lacking for it i just thought this was a real taxing main event it was just it was slow it was plodding and it was just 
I don't know. The, the 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 crowd energy definitely sucked mine out too. But I just I just felt in a different setting. If this was like the the feud closing match at the height of the feud, we I got think the it, feud closing match a few weeks ago. Well, that's what I mean. Like we if they had, like to me, I don't think it was the fault of the match. It was the fault of the fact that audiences didn't care about anything attached to Cody, but the answer to who he's going to face at WrestleMania. And this just felt like a delay, delay, delay tactic, you know, before the show ended and we weren't going to get that result beyond that. It was a rushed build for a feud that had already ended. You don't even really take the time to explain to the audience, the significance of the bull rope match. We didn't even get a promo from Cody addressing all the history attached to, the, to this match type. It they was just something- shown some highlights of the dusty superstar match with the bull rope. Yeah, they could have. But I mean, again, at this point, the audience did not care about anything except who's, who Cody's going to face uh, at WrestleMania. And you're not going to get that till Thursday. Well, this story went on very long to end the show. And then Drew jumps Cody at the end and hit him with a Claymore and eyes the WrestleMania sign. And that's how we went off the air, the go home show for a press conference. Right. So the fact, I mean, uh, I don't, obviously teasing Drew and Cody, do you think... This is a chamber direction? Yes. Perhaps? Yes. That looks to be the way that things go. And maybe this is, um, you know, Cody's uh, rumble spot or his title shot is up for grabs with Drew. And hmm. Something. Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll see how they um, how they handle this mess, um, how they ent- entangle this web, or maybe try to convince the audience that this is the right way to go on uh, Thursday. All right. Um, I, I didn't think this was one of the stronger episodes of Raw. I thought that yeah. the, um, really it, like the first half hour of the show was, you know, you got the Cody Rollins segment with Drew and then that that four way tag. I, I would say that stuff was strong. I enjoyed Shane and Becky was good. Like the first hour of the show, I would say, was the meat of the program. And the last two, I mean, we, we literally, literally had a worst match of the year candidate mm-hmm. uh, in, in the tag match. And man, this crowd was just totally checked out for this last hour of the show and made this three hour show feel like four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I thought it was an overall dissatisfi- dissatisfying show because um, I, I just think it didn't really answer any of the main questions we had, you know, uh, especially coming off of the weekend. Uh, but it did tell you that they're, they're very aware of this hashtag. We want Cody movement. Uh, gross, gross saying those words. And I'm very curious to see how they pay it off. Merchandise signs. Yeah. They're going to make every last penny off of this mm-hmm. movement. All right. We have a uh, one piece of feedback here and you can also send in your super chats. If you- uh, we have a super chat here. First okay, of all, let's go to the uh, super chat. Then. Let's go to Andy. Who's been a member for two months. First of all, uh, he sends, I believe this is the same Andy, but Andy says they're channeling the Cody energy towards a world heavyweight championship bout. They'll dangle the reins carrot until 41. My patience has eroded, not into another goose chase. Andy also says, seems that the head doesn't know what the tail's doing. The Rock and the creative team is are pulling in different directions. I don't foresee a happy ending. Well, I mean, th- this was, this was like the second that you have The Rock coming out and teasing the head of the table. It's not like people were like aghast and furious when that line was thrown out there. I mean, this is the match they've they've wanted to do, and it's always been on like rock's timetable when he would be able to do this match he's able to do it this year they're doing the match now i mean um but it's like you've geared your whole year around this cody story so you you have that to argue it's it's kind of like you're 
you're looking to maximize one particular night with this giant match versus the option that is going to be one of your key people all, all year long and has definitely been a major factor in the company's you know track record over this, this last year when it comes to mm-hmm. house show attendance and to merchandise and is your everyday player on the roster right that I, is over this is not as though this is just some well we want to go with the the regular you know full-time guy it's like cody is certainly um you know i i think this is overall i think this is one where i just I don't know. I, I can't. So I'm, I'm. I really wonder about the like what the audience reaction would have been if, let's say, Punk won the Royal Rumble, Cody did not, um, and then you didn't even tease the audience, you know, that you were going to get Cody versus Roman Reigns. If all had taken place, or even if The Rock came and won the Rumble, would the reaction to this "We Want Cody" movement, you know, be be what it is? You might have had some of it. It would it would have been lessened, certainly. Yeah. If you had that, if if you had Punk and Rollins, which everyone expected, and then you're like that was always a viable uh, alternative. And and conversely, you come up with something meaningful for Cody uh, for for mm-hmm. WrestleMania, something out of the box. So maybe it's not so much the fact that um, we're getting Cody versus Roman that people are pissed off about. It's the fact that you dangled Cody versus Roman. He pointed Roman down at the end of the rumble. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then took it I away. just think you got such an unsatisfying, like just hug and I'm going to step aside for the mm-hmm. rock. I mean, it's yeah. like in another era, like that would have killed a baby face to just look so inferior like that. But this is a different time period where, whatever that anger is, is on the company, it would seem like, and not so much that the performer was just completely looked, looked so mm-hmm. inferior to the big star. Yeah. I just, I feel a bit more confident that they will somehow give us a payoff for this because I don't think for a second you would have Michael Cole, your lead commentator say, I also want to see Cody finish the story. I want to see him win the championship. His father never held. Well, you I mean, have that option to do the night one, night two combo. Like you could get get there and you've done it in such a way. Like my concern would be, do you want to promote a show where you don't know what the main event is? But I think that much like in the, we're not going to advertise CM Punk is debuting at the United Center, but everyone knows it. I think in, in this sense, everyone will know you are getting Cody and mm-hmm. Roman the next night. Yeah. Um and that shred of doubt that maybe you're going to get Roman and Rollins. But I think everyone knows, okay, it's the mystery matches night two. You know what you're getting on night two. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and that's and that's a fine way to to play this for Mania. And they, they could set that up on Thursday. And I think that will greatly um, end this like couple days of uh, people being outraged by this. But listen, the worst case is that you do the night one, night two scenario as it's posited and you delay the Cody win. It's like, it's not going to be the end of the world either. Mm. And Cody's going to be looked at as like, he, he was, something was taken away from him. And instead it's like, you're going to get there eventually. All eyes are on Thursday in more ways than one, not just the answer to this, but to also see if there's any uh, media questioning. I'm more interested in that aspect of it for this event on Thursday, much more than any WrestleMania matches being announced. I think this is going to be one of the rare opportunities that you're going to have to a Paul Levesque between now and, well, he will probably speak in Australia, and then he's probably not going to have any more of these kinds of availabilities until Mania. But um, that's important. And again, it is Nick Khan in his hometown. He's going to be there. And does he does he do any interviews? Does he lay low? And 
Dwayne Johnson too. I think all three, they it, it's more than fair game that they should be asked about a m- much more significant story than, than WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Okay, one piece of feedback here is Manny from Pacoima. A great four-way tag match will now lead to a very anticipated tag match on Friday as DIY take on the yet-to-be-named British Strong Style. Gunther and Jay sounds like it could make for a great match, and the crowd singing along to Jay's theme was pretty cool. Overall, an enjoyable edition of Raw. The crowd at GCW's The Coldest Winter 2 was one of the best crowds I've been part of. Everyone cheered loudly for Mike Jackson during his entire match. I definitely recommend checking out the trios match of Los Desperados versus Starboy Charlie, Titus Alexander, and Bodie, as well as Chris Bay against Man Like Doris. And as Richard the Bird always says, Chop Tees will beat anyone's advertised price or your mattress is free. Oh, uh, we sell mattresses now. Um, yeah, move, mattresses. Over, move over Casper. Yeah, that is correct. Chop-Tees.com, our brand new merch store where you can get uh, all of our post-wrestling designs, including the Long and Winding Railroads t-shirts. We've got Nubian Wrestling Advocates now have their own t-shirt. Of course, we have our post-wrestling trucker cap zip hoodies everything chop-tees.com slash post wrestling check it out now shipping is on them and way and i will be back on well it's coming wednesday we've got paulican thurston in the afternoon three eastern and then way and i wednesday night we will be up with rewind to dynamite and again rewind away dropping on thursday for postwrestlingcafe.com members with a review of the 2002 hbo documentary the smashing machine featuring mark kerr so that is coming up a lot of great shows this past weekend really excellent edition of post pro res with karen peterson and wh park collision course with john cena and kate from montreal and a nxt vengeance day review with Braden and davy so that is all for us thank you for tuning in to rewind a raw say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill